So when when people and the media and they all talk about like AR, VR, and metaverse, there's a lot of things and concepts get mixed together. Uh, and that's why like, even with a lot of advancements in the technology, it feels like it's still not here, uh, which it, considering what your vision of it is, it's not here yet. Uh, but if I was to think about this from, is it something that will be useful is, I don't believe anybody given the choice wants to sit at a desk for eight hours in front of a rectangle to be able to do computing or be carrying these 300 or 400 gram devices that are taking them away from social social situations. Like you could be sitting at a dinner table and you're staring off into your mobile screen rather than interacting with your family and friends around you. Hello everyone. In this episode, I'm talking to Muku, who is a design lead of augmented reality at Amazon. Uh, Mukul shares his career story and getting into the world of augmented and virtual reality. Uh, we talk about also inventing new interactive interaction patterns and the challenges of not having the common patterns to rely on. Uh, what prototyping tools uh, Mukul recommends to use for AR and VR experiences, metaverse, and how you can get into AR world as a designer, and much more. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Mukul. Hey, how are you? Hi, Carol. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I was really excited, actually, about this uh, this conversation when, when we booked it, uh, because I'm sure you can share a lot of insights from the inside about a very mysterious, from my point of view, and very, I guess, respectable and really kind of, you know, like this kind of in the fog, uh, there's like this almost like a unicorn figure of this AR, VR industry <laughs> and um, the whole space because uh, I keep hearing this about it, the news and um, and all the trends and all the technologies, right? Uh, that's been um, recently quite active. Um, but I've never really had a chance to talk to anyone who, who designs these experiences, like firsthand. So I, I will have quite a few questions uh, to really kind of to learn more about this space. So really excited. Yeah, thanks a lot. Likewise, I'm very excited to be able to be part of this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Sounds good. So let's start with um, like some overall questions first, and then in the second half of the of the conversation, we'll we'll focus on the uh, AR VR and go go a bit deeper there. Uh, beginning with your story, tell us uh, why did you even start this? Uh, what really drove you into this field, and uh, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, yeah, totally. That's a great question and uh, quite a quite a winding story that I have, uh, which is true for a lot of people in AR and VR uh, design industry. So um, just to give you an overview, I was born and I grew up in India. And as a kid, whenever I wasn't going to school or playing with my friends, I was constantly imagining and building new machines. And these machines would can, would take into account like urban planning, locomotives, uh, even space space shuttles. So following this passion, I got into the um, one of the most prestigious universities in India and followed the path of focusing on mechanical engineering with a minors in computer science. Um, and early on during my undergrad, I got involved with a group of people who were building a Formula One racing car to compete in a worldwide racing competition. Uh, this competition is for particularly for college students. Uh, so we didn't have the fancy budget, <laughs> but we did have great aspirations for this. Um, and while as part of this project, like I, during the design phase, we spent months and months of building a 3D model of the car, testing it in different simulation softwares, improving every single nut and bolt of this 3D model to make the car go very fast. Uh, but as soon as we got into the build phase, I realized that the car and the computer was going to be very different than the car that we were building. Uh, just because that there was a massive disconnect between the computer representation of the car 
and the physical representation. There was no way for us to exchange information between the two. And that got me very excited and interested into learning about um, wearable devices, AR, VR, artificial intelligence. And following that path, I decided to pursue a master's in human-computer interaction uh, from the United States. I went to University of Maryland on the East Coast for people who are familiar with. It does snow there a lot, <laughs> which was very new and uh, not a lot of fun for me. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> while at this university, I uh, worked as, as a research assistant in a mixed reality laboratory. And there I gained a lot of the technical knowledge that you would need if you want to be a designer in this industry. Um, more, more and more, as, as we progress more and more, the technical knowledge is needed less and less, but it's good to have that uh, fundamentals. And then when I graduated from my master's, I joined a startup High Fidelity uh, that were building a social virtual reality world. Uh, we didn't call it the metaverse back then. It's only now that that term has become very popular and part of the mainstream media. Um, but I joined that startup and helped them figure out a lot of the um, user interfaces in terms of how to kind of break this very advanced, very new aspirational technology to mainstream audience that might have seen a video in a TV somewhere on the news outlet. But when they're actually putting on this VR headset with these controllers, it becomes very hard for them to understand and navigate in. Um, so worked a lot on uh, using like user-centered design principles, prototyping, testing, and product strategy, and really got to sunk my teeth into uh, the classic UX design principles uh, that are needed. Even if you're working in AR, VR, they will remain the same across any design job. Um, so that was my journey at High Fidelity. But after a few years, I realized that VR headsets are going to take a while to become mainstream, primarily because of the bulky hardware. Uh, and hardware progresses way, very slowly compared to software. So I knew there was a lot of time. Uh, and I started devoting my energy to mobile devices. And as you might be aware, like mobile devices like the iPhone and Android have these SDKs that allow anybody to build augmented reality apps mm -hmm. for them. Um, so I joined Amazon and helped them kind of figure out what kinds of shopping experiences can we deliver at scale to millions and millions of customers um, in a very light, very light experience. Because um, as opposed to a VR experience where people are going in there expecting to learn a lot of new things, when people are casually browsing through Amazon or any shopping website, they don't have a lot of patience to learn new, learn new stuff. So that was definitely a big challenge that I helped overcome um, with the team. And uh, first in the initial few years, I was focused on helping improve our product visualization experiences. So imagine if you want to buy a couch for your new apartment that you're just moving in, um, or you're decorating the nursery because you have a new baby on the way. It's very hard for customers to understand how do, how do those furniture pieces fit in their room, like physically, but also stylistically. Does the color of the sofa look good with the drapes or any other furniture that is in their already existing in their room? So being able to visualize those using a mobile device is very helpful to customers. Interesting. So it sounds like a really good application, like a really practical application of the technology. It's, it's not like playing games or some kind of entertainment, right? Which personally, I kind of, I lean towards more practical and practicality. So I really kind of enjoy this, this uh, um, I guess, idea and feature. Uh, is it something similar, uh, because I haven't used this one, but is it something similar to what IKEA launched a few years back uh, when there was like lots of hype about this? Like when you can really uh, go through their catalog and like um, simulate uh, placing that chair or so far um, in your, I guess, live view of the environment. Is it the same? 
Ça, c'est moi. A lot of companies, especially e-commerce companies, have launched similar experiences. Um, I would say we have been working on it uh, for a long time. How is, uh, have you designed like any like common common uh, digital interfaces like a, like a typical UX designer would do? Uh, yes, totally. I've I've worked on a, a lot of web experiences, desktop experiences, and mobile experiences. Um, both professionally and on personal side projects. So professionally, at uh, when I was at High Fidelity, even though we were building primarily for virtual reality, um, we also had experiences both on desktop and mobile devices. And that kind of came from the general learning and awareness within the company that VR might take a long time to come along. So experiences like Uh, Fortnite that everybody is so familiar with now and just assumes that they're going to work on every device imaginable. Um, we, we were already doing that in addition to having our experiences work in virtual reality. Um, and at, at Amazon also, when I say it's, it's interesting, like when people think about AR and VR, um, a lot of people only imagine like interacting with objects in 3D. Uh, but if you're creating an experience that can scale to millions of people, we try to keep the AR aspect or the 3D interaction aspect of AR to a minimum because most people are not familiar with these experiences. So if you look at our Amazon app right now, there's a, a fair amount of 2D UI that we design um, and implement in order to be, in order to, for the customer to interact with this experience. Interesting, okay. Okay, so uh, going back to this kind of, um, the two, I, would, I don't want to say different worlds, but somewhat different worlds uh, of uh, like a standard, uh, like web interface, digital interface uh, design and designing for AR and VR experiences, right? So because you kind of experience both sides of this world, uh, both parts of this world, I wonder from your experience, what, what what's the easiest and what's the hardest and what, what's really the difference? How would you describe a difference for a person, for example, if I am designing experience, like normal, like not normal, commonly um, uh, familiar interfaces, right? Like, uh, like digital web apps and, and, and all that stuff. And if I consider going and switching to AR and VR design, uh, what should I know before doing this? How, is it, how does it compare? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a very, very broad question. I'll try and answer certain different aspects of it. Uh, so one of the things that you mentioned is what is the difference between designing commonly known and understood interfaces like a mobile or a, or a web site? Uh, versus AR, VR, it's, it's exactly in the words, commonly known interfaces, which is people are aware of how to interact with a button or a dropdown or a list that they see on a 2D screen. You don't have to reinvent or not even reinvent, but invent new interaction patterns every time you're building a mobile app. Uh, you inherit a lot of the work that um, designers before us in 2009 and even all the patterns exist and you can just pick and choose which ones to build. Uh, so that's one major uh, difference. Now, the way you get around this is that uh, while you're generating these new patterns for AR, VR, you have to do a lot of prototyping and testing to see if these patterns are understandable to new customers. Uh, another thing that will be Uh, significantly different is that AR, VR technologies are still evolving. So a lot of the things that you might want to do and that you see in science fiction movies, uh, like for example, Minority Report, Tom Cruise is interacting with an interface by just, by just moving their hands. Uh, that's not possible in the real world. Uh, one, because you can't hold your hand for like more than five, 10 minutes for too long. Your, your elbows and your biceps are going to hurt a lot. <laughs> Can you imagine if we do go this route and you have to uh, 
um, uh, interact with the with the interface this way, how evolution will bump up our muscles in this area <laughs> for those who are heavy users, especially. Yeah, that might be. Hey, you you don't need to go to the gym anymore for biceps only <laughs> exactly. leg days. <laughs> yeah, win win. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's another aspect, which is like the technology has not caught up to the, to the creative minds of, uh, that we have, that every designer has, um, by, by the virtue of being in this industry. Um, so what that, what that means in, uh, in our, when you're designing experiences is that you start with the North star of what do you want the experience to be? And then you meet the engineers halfway, or maybe sometimes all the way to what is possible today. Uh, and that could be significantly different than what you had thought about. And then one more aspect of this would be the, the understanding of 3D space and 3D design is way different than being able to move, being able to draw like buttons or lists on a 2D Figma file uh, or sketch for those diehard sketch fans that are still out there. Uh, but that the, the understanding of these, how, how are these 3D models created and how are they delivered to the customer because these 3D models could be several megabytes in size. Uh, so latency and internet bandwidth constraints also become an issue uh, and a constraint that you have to work with. So this kind of leads to one of the questions I had, and you kind of touched on a bit earlier that you have to do a lot of prototyping and testing. I, I kind of have a hard time imagining what kind of tools you use for, for creating these prototypes. How does it work, like the, the whole this testing process as well? Totally. So so that, that I'll, I'll kind of address the larger question, which is it it is... A lot of people that get that naturally transition into AR VR design come from a, a gaming background. So game designers have a lot of the tool sets that they're already using, like Unity is a game engine uh, that can be very interactive and you can create prototypes using that. Unreal is another one and focuses on a lot of visual fidelity of the experiences. So those are primarily the, the tools that I would use to create very interactive prototypes. Now, that being said, I've created prototypes in Figma as well, or uh, a 3D software and created a video uh, for low fidelity prototypes that um, don't really require a lot of time and investment up front, but then also the things that you can test with those are tend to be lower risk as well. Um, and then finally, there are some new tools that are coming out for AR and VR prototyping. So VR prototyping tends to tools that tends to exist there allow you to prototype while wearing a VR headset. So imagine it's like prototyping VR in VR. So you, you get a, uh, a creator tool set where you can draw, draw cubes, spheres, cylinders, place them wherever you want to place them and almost like a white boxing environment where you can create these environments. That's a fun idea. I, I had built multiple projects on the side during, during my master's on how to achieve that as well. And it's a very complex space. Um, again, going back to like people people can't don't want to hold these controllers for too long while they're like interacting with these experiences so you could sit on a laptop for eight hours but you can't be just standing up and interacting with a vr headset for eight hours uh, so those are like some of the bigger constraints and on the ar side um, there's also two kinds of vr so wearable and mobile devices uh, there's another company called bezel that is allowing you to do a lot of the 3D modeling on a web browser and uh, they have a prototype mode that immediately puts that those 3D assets in front of a mobile camera. So I would say on the tooling end, it's like pretty nascent, um, but that's kind of that's kind of the trajectory of all new technologies when they get introduced, designing for them is hard. That's that's true. Yeah, that, that's actually an interesting point about that. It. It's just it's 
relatively new industry and like lots of things are still like really really actively changing um and especially on the tools front and um it's it's good to see that uh, developers and companies invest money to build these tools right so kind of to really uh, help grow this adoption uh, of the technology and potentially like you know business opportunities to sell more devices or like new devices right uh yeah this also kind of uh, kind of goes to my next question which is uh particularly vr right and maybe ar in some point like i think ar as well kind of somewhat related but with vr particularly um it's it's been quite a few years already right uh since the initial like beginning of this trend away for curve and initially yeah. the hype was like everywhere like everybody was just yelling that like, vr is the next big thing big thing because everybody especially in the in the in the valley uh where lots of things are coming out uh, from uh everybody is waiting and looking for this next big next big thing what's like next after mobile and they were i think they were hoping that vr is the next one but it's been a few years now and i keep hearing opinions from like analysts and like tech experts who are who've been in the industry like in the tech industry for for a long long time that uh, it didn't really achieve that the kind of mass adoption mass scale and kind of still stays in this more niche application like gaming and um, and maybe some uh, specialized roles like uh, i've heard some uh, healthcare uh, use is very very good and like some maybe engineering pieces right but still not like a mass mass like consumer kind of product still bulky and obviously it's getting better which which i'm glad to see that like the evolution of this first you had to carry like a huge backpack like with with like all the wires right <laughs> like like it's a small backpack now like it's like all like on the belt now it's like on the head it's like getting smaller and smaller similar like we were going yeah. through the journey like uh, i think in the smartphones yeah like i started like with the big ones yeah like small small now it's like um and you started with what a suitcase think? Yeah, <laughs> in, in the smartphone era. Yeah, there I didn't have that one. <laughs> yeah, but I, <laughs> I remember some movies, some old movies. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm curious to hear because you're like the insider. You you kind of you've been in this in this industry for 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 several years already. Uh, like firsthand doing this and really learning and uh, following all these resources and uh, developments, right? So I wonder what's your opinion about this. Like, will it ever become a consumer grade of device like that will be the next big thing or it will be more still kind of helpful and valuable for specialized use cases and like more maybe some niche industries uh, like we see it today i tend to think about this from a from a human computer interaction perspective which is when a human is interacting with the computer, there's basically three parts of it. One is the input devices, which currently tend to be keyboard, mouse, or a touchscreen. Another is an output device, which tends to be these like lifeless 2D glass rectangles that we carry around with us all the time. And then the third is um, the human in the picture, which is the human in the loop. Um, so when, when people in the media and they all talk about like AR, VR, in metaverse, there's a lot of things and concepts get mixed together. Uh, and that's why, like, even with a lot of advancements in the technology, it feels like it's still not here, uh, which it, considering what your vision of it is, it's not here yet. Uh, but if I was to think about this from, is it something that will be useful is I don't believe anybody given the choice wants to sit at a desk for eight hours in front of a rectangle to be able to do computing or be carrying these 300 or 400 gram devices that are taking them away from social social situations. Like you could be sitting at a dinner table and you're staring off into your mobile screen rather than interacting with your family and friends around you. So if you had something that was directly in front of your eyes, it will, still keep you in the in the experience the real experience of life without really uh distracting you from you don't have to be like stuck in front of a desk just as we are right now do you think we will need extra devices if this neuralink chip will 
potentially be able to hijack all our inputs outputs and just do it all by itself. Um, you're saying, what if we just live in a vegetative state where we're sleeping the whole time, but we're experiencing this virtual world, which to our brains looks like it's real. Um, yeah, like all these kind of uh, fantasy movies with like, uh, not, not clones, drones, not drones. And there was a movie with Bruce Willis, um, Surrogates, I think um, it was the name. Yeah. Well, basically, kind of, it's like, yeah, you can choose like any kind of uh, body and like kind of be at home and like just kind of with some kind of device. Um, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, that is something that keeps me awake at night. But also, really? how do we know we're not already in that? Like, <laughs> that's, oh, we that's might already be plugged deep. in. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's kind of yeah. It's it, it's. Uh, I've heard this first time. I've heard this thought about the, that we are potentially already in the simulation. Uh, I think from Musk or from Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. And I was like, I never actually. Uh, I hadn't thought about even like pos this possibility because like I'm just a, a normal <laughs> human. Like a simple human, and it's like now I kind of I keep I keep coming back to this idea and like this kind of really accepting maybe that it's kind of statistically possible, but kind of almost also I don't want to believe in this. It's like you know like just kind of rejecting this idea <laughs> that like life is too good to kind of to be to 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 accept this reality if it is. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, talking totally. about. Um, <laughs> Talking about um, uh, what you mentioned, um, uh, Neuralink. Yeah, uh, let's talk about metaverse, right? And um, and again, like because you're an insider, I just want to hear your opinion. Um, and you worked on this before, like on a similar concept before. So yeah. maybe you have some some additional insight. Is it really? Was it really a good idea? Like because from what I understand right now, like uh, at least Meta, the the, the Facebook, right? Um, they kind of not prioritizing this project anymore because it, like a year ago, I remember it was like the next like big big direction for the company. Now, like if I keep hearing some voices, like it's it's actually they're uh, rolling back or kind of really switching to a different like AI now, right? So kind of going away from this Meta Meta Metaverse focus, which was like all the rage at that time. So I wonder what your thoughts on, on that concept and if it really has a chance to become mainstream. It's one of those things like what the definition of metaverse is not constant and it's also depends on what kind of industry are you talking about? So like when internet first came around, Nobody had thought that we would have these smartphones and we would get into a stranger's car who's going to drop our kids off somewhere else. Like those applications had not been thought of. And similar to that, like I, I think the idea of the metaverse is just, to me at least, is like the base set of technologies that allow movement of 3D assets between different locations and Another idea that doesn't really exist with internet just yet is that this metaverse will be persistent regardless of whether there's a user in the metaverse or not. So when you go to sleep in your house, the sun doesn't stop revolving around the galaxy. Like that's going on. Uh, in the internet, in the, in the current world of internet, that doesn't happen. As soon as you log out of, of I would say, well, Social networks are not a good example of that because like other users are still interacting with it. But imagine if everybody logged off of Facebook, there will be no change in the state of Facebook data. Like it would just halt somewhere. But that's not the case with potentially this idea of the metaverse, like things will keep on going. And because you have this persistent state, you start to get a lot of things for free. So for example, uh, you could plant a tree in the metaverse and it will keep growing and you can play farm well that way, just very less addictive because you have to wait exactly. 30 years <laughs> for your for your crops to grow. Um, so that's, I believe like that concept is very useful. Will it become mainstream? Depends on like, what do people want to do? 
in their world. Um, and then again, it depends a lot on like internet didn't become super big until mobile devices came around. Like it was still very big when laptops and PCs were there, but it's only the, the ability to be connected everywhere all the time that internet devices and internet applications became very big. So if, if I was to tap a little bit into like what the, the mainstream thinks the metaverse is, is this ready player one version where you put on glasses and, you, and then you go into this different world where you're studying, playing games, you're interacting with your coworkers. That can exist, but it has the value out of that has to be significantly more than meeting in person. So your 3D avatars have to look very realistic. You have to have the feeling of presence in there. Um, and if that happens, then I can definitely see it being used in, in localized use cases like work and education, which are still very big. Like we spend almost a third of our lives studying or going to work. Um, outside of that, it's like TBD. Would you use it for like outside of the, the, the work? I, I would if the, the avatars and the presence were good enough, which is not the case right now. It's definitely a matter of time. And also when you look at the, the Gen Z and Gen Alpha, I believe, the one after that, uh, they're spending a lot of time in Fortnite, Roblox, like environments, which are like glimpses of metaverse. Uh, and they're spending their time socializing with other kids. They're not necessarily playing a game in there. So when they grow up, they might still want to live in that environment. That's true. But by that time, it, it will be more immersive and it's not, not, not on the screen, right? But in your chip. <laughs> Uh, interesting. So thinking from, from all the variety of different devices and companies who are kind of trying to, to, to get, to not be late to this new market and new, new business opportunities, right? Like, I'm sure you've heard that Apple is going to announce something uh, in a few days, right? Um, do, are you going to, to, to their... WWDC? Uh... Well, I, I said it's, I've heard it all over the news. Um... And I've been hearing it every year for the past five years that this is the year that the glasses are going to be announced. Um, that doesn't mean they're not going to do it this time, but I've, I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the rumor was that every year, right? Like uh, on, on a yearly basis. Um, what do you expect to see from them? Do, do you think it will be really a revolutionary uh, unveiling of a, of a really cool device or, or something, something not, not to really, yeah, uh, overhyped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I tend to lean on the side of overhyped. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of hardware technology that you can't just improve in a few years particularly around optics and batteries. So optics really have not changed for thousands of years. And um, from the first time we created a lens uh, to now, like the, the principles of bending light do not follow the Moore's law that they're gonna change anytime soon. Uh, so putting anything on your head that is lightweight while still being able to see the real world, like that's a very hard problem to tackle. And then another is um, batteries uh, don't last too long, especially if they're on your head because you can't put a lot of weight on your head. Now I've heard that they're gonna have a pocket computer that is separate from the headset. Um, that can definitely like- A briefcase. Improve the experience. A briefcase, maybe, <laughs> or a backpack. Like the first smartphones, or like, the, not for smartphones, cell phones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could be the case. Uh, so that's like my kind of like cautiously optimistic take on the hardware. Now, in terms of experiences, I, I think they might have like some very cool experiences as Apple always does when they're launching a new technology. Um, how long it takes to become mainstream is an open question. I, I think it's going to follow more 
the route of Apple Watches, which took five to six years to really become mainstream, where like people started to get value out of them, uh, as opposed to iPhones, which like in year two or three, they were selling like hotcakes everywhere. Interesting to hear your opinion from the, because you know, like all the technology constraints, right? Like, and really kind of all the, really the, the, the blockers that, that like, just physically won't allow you to to come up with something like really drastically better or different from from others right and uh, considering that some companies have been already innovating in this field like on a like monthly annual basis uh, with like releasing new and new smaller and smaller devices but you hit this roadblocks with uh, the lenses and the batteries yeah that's interesting uh yeah I, i'm also kind of a bit a bit kind of skeptical not skeptical uh, cautiously optimistic, I would say, <laughs> not to, not to get my <laughs> hopes up. Um, I don't think I would be kind of the 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 one who would be jumping uh, right away to buying like a device like this. I'm kind of probably not the 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 right audience for this at least for now. But uh, I'm really curious to hear, like, just kind of to see it from the. Uh, I'm talking about the Apple's uh, release uh, from the design point of view and uh, just kind of the the physical product design and if they will be able to 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 match their bar of experience of like the quality of design uh, like they did with uh, like the previous new kind of type of devices and really potentially become this new industry standard right like uh, that lots of companies that will just kind of be following their patterns that they defined and even get like inspiration and like this can uh, spawn off some new industries who will be building on top of that. So it's kind of uh, quite exciting to to imagine if, for example, they can somehow manage to make this new device with the new technology, like follow the the steps of uh, iPhone, like with a huge industry that it created on top of it, um, and like become the leader. Yeah, it's interesting. Interesting times. Yeah, totally. Like if I I think that there's a lot of energy and anticipation on people waiting for that headset um if or if it is even a headset like who knows it is all speculation at this point but um if and when it gets released i i imagine a lot of people will be building for it um just because the the it's it's at least from their past track record it's going to be a very intuitive and uh, easy to use device for consumers uh, yeah to be fair though some yeah. of the devices are, are pretty horrible and very disappointing uh, <laughs> talking about their mouse uh, the latest mouse uh, edition with like yeah ergonomic disaster and uh, charging also questionable uh, choices uh, for yep. the sake of minimalism <laughs> and simplicity from just visual look um, yeah so they're not perfect but um um, they still they're still pretty good, like in the in the product design, um, pioneering many many different um, ideas and uh, innovation innovative ideas. Okay, let's talk about uh, maybe one more question on the AR VR, and then we'll switch to the kind of interviewing and portfolio and resume kind of tips and advice. So let's imagine there is a designer who has been in the industry of like the standard UX product design, um, uh, more like web apps and mobile. And if they want to, so because maybe they believe that this new world of AR and VR will be the future and will be much more interesting for them uh, to pursue that track in their career, right? What kind of skills they can start building today while still in their job as a designer, as a UX designer, um, to prepare themselves and to prepare their profile and maybe, I don't know, portfolio uh, for for this new job uh, as a, as an AR or VR designer, that's a question I get asked all the time from a lot of a lot of new designers that are interested in this field. Um, and I would say there's no like one answer to it in the sense like I can talk about a couple of things that are necessary requirements to be working in UX or AR and VR, but they're not sufficient. So. I'll, I'll talk about the necessary ones and then I'll, I'll add some layer on top of that answer. So I would say if you want to work in AR and VR first, start understanding all the different kinds of devices 
that that includes. So building and designing for a mobile AR device is very different than building and designing for a wearable VR device. Uh, you just have different input devices, you have different patterns, uh, interaction patterns that you have to learn. Um, so start getting familiar with that. And also wearable AR devices are, are very different as well in terms of the technical challenges that you will face if you do decide to work on that. Um, another one would be like anytime I'm learning a new technology, like start looking at existing experiences on those devices and build an understanding of common patterns that exist or ideas or start to think about the reasoning behind the way certain things were implemented. That will give you a lot of like the base knowledge that you need to kind of make a, make a choice into which one of these three device types you want to work in. You might want to work in all of them, but um, at least having an understanding of the differences and the similarities will get you very far. Um, another one I would say is start being familiar with 3D technology. Now this could mean getting into 3D modeling using Blender as an open source software, Cinema 4D, uh, Houdini, like these are some softwares that allow you to think in 3D. And while you're building these 3D models, you'll also start to recognize the technical constraints. Like when you're building a button on a 2D screen, like an engineer is never going to tell you that we can't implement that button because it's it has a very high asset size. But in the 3D world, uh, somebody will will tell you like, hey, this the 3D model is very big in terms of like the number of triangles that it has or the textures that it has, and you will have to simplify it. Uh, both in terms of textures, but also in terms of models. So getting an understanding of like the 3D interactive nature, I, I recommend like Unity has pretty good tutorials online um, on how to build it. There's, uh, so, so coming to that, which is like also get a little bit familiar with Unity and Unreal as the game engines. There are, in our, uh, there are a lot of new prototyping tools coming up that don't require coding. Um, even when you're using Unity and Unreal, Unreal has this visual coding, visual programming language called Blueprint, and Unity has another visual programming language. Um, I am blanking on the name for that, but that can get you very far in terms of getting a deep understanding of what's possible in, in the AR, VR realm. Now, if you don't want to learn programming at all, I would recommend pair up with another AR VR dev developer or a game developer and work on two or three personal projects with them. And by the, by the virtue of you going through that process, you'll start to understand a lot of technical constraints without even kind of knowing how to, how to program. So that's kind of the base. Like I, I feel you would need at least those kinds of understand, like those are the, that's the knowledge you need to be able to design experiences that can get implemented. Um, I like to think that uh, as a designer, you, whatever you design, the success of that design is only validated after you launch it. So if you're designing something that can't even be built, like that's not a good design, even though it might work in the constrained environment of of our tools. Yeah, like I'm thinking about even like because you mentioned the, these big two players in the tools uh, um, area, right? That they must have a pretty robust library of, of because they're like very complex, complicated tools, right? So they must have a pretty big library of tutorials. So you can just kind of take one tutorial a day uh, after yeah. work and uh, just, uh, yeah, slowly and gradually learn more about this space and like what's possible or something. I, I like this, uh, this strategy. I think it's a good tip. Uh, not, 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 not difficult to follow. Yes. Not difficult to follow. You, you need to be, you need to spend a lot of time doing that. Uh, that's the only <laughs> caveat. And then there are also other tools that, um, Meta and Snapchat have released. So Snapchat has Lens Studio and then Meta has Spark AR Studio. These two tools allow you to build experiences specifically for mobile 
um, primarily face experiences like face filters, but they've also added functionality to create a rear camera experiences as well. So you could potentially um, point at your room and have that room be transformed into some kind of um, different filter. Um, I would say exploring, I would suggest exploring them if you're mostly focused on mobile AR technologies. Okay, this was like super, super insightful experts uh, opinion and uh, feedback and thoughts on how to start and the really, really actionable tips on how you can do it. Like it's actually, it doesn't seem like it's a rocket science, at least how you can slowly start learning about this. And then obviously you'll learn how complicated this is and it will be probably a roller coaster of like, oh, that's, I can do it. Okay, uh, that's too too much. I can do it. That's too much and so on. So, and um, that's probably a natural uh, cycle of learning uh, new technologies, especially when they change so often. And it looks like it's kind of, we get into this, we're now in the, in the next phase, in the next wave of these tools and technologies development. So likely I anticipate there will be some uh, increase in the advancements in the upcoming years. So I think it's probably a good time to to get on this on this ship and uh, ride the wave on this yeah board <laughs> if you're a surfer. Uh, okay, <laughs> last question, last question, uh, Mukul. Uh, if money wasn't, if you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do? Oh yeah, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I guess I would do uh, two things. One is travel a lot more. I truly believe that learning about new cultures and traditions helps us become more aware of how we're living our life and how design and technology can have an impact um, on people from different backgrounds. And to be honest, it's a lot of fun as well. So (laughs) that's one. And then another is that um, I believe a lot in nurturing and nurturing brilliant minds to to tackle these increasingly global challenges that we're going to face, uh, particularly around like how do we support a lot of people living on this finite planet with finite resources, um, a lot of challenges in medical and healthcare, and the 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 way to solve that in my mind is if we are able to create a technology that provides us instant or close to instant learning so you you all might be familiar with how trinity and matrix learns to fly a helicopter in like less than two seconds by just downloading all of that data in her brain uh if we have that kind of technology, and I, I believe uh, some combination of AR, VR, and AI can get us there or close to there, um, I would be working on that um, as as a ambitious vision for the future. And I truly believe we could get there in our lifetimes. Very, very interesting, especially the second one. The first one is, is obvious, looking at your background with the map and... Uh... What looks like a bunch of uh, time zones. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and the second one is very, I would say, inspiring. Yeah. Especially like uh, remembering that scene is like really wow effect of like, is it even possible? And now, like with every next new development, every next new device or technology improvement, right? Especially with like recent AI. Uh, um, blazing fast advancements um it's it could be possible yeah it's kind of it's not really that uh, science fiction anymore this idea right of the like in, almost yep. instant learning <laughs> of something new i wonder what what like what this if this is if this happens what will this how will this change all the really kind of the job market if everyone can learn anything and instead of this kind of endless number of competition in the world uh, like now you have like a set of like just a segment of audience right of the job market who is like in the same field in the same kind of profession the same kind of experience and skills but now like you have billions of people who who, who can do the same job uh, potentially even better so i wonder how it will change the landscape then if 
if if knowledge is so accessible i i think in that world we also have to think about what does a global economy look like like do people even have to work at that point um yeah i don't know maybe robots are doing all the jobs for us and we're just lounging around on our sofas watching <laughs> watching space. something else <laughs> yeah. yeah in our vr sets yeah um yeah it reminds me of this uh, of the movie that we we, we were rewatching with family recently wally when uh wally like, yeah yeah it's like <laughs> scary future about the, what what technology can can do to 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 save the population right and um yeah minimize all the stress and uh and hardships yeah interesting awesome yeah. okay thanks thanks again for coming uh, Mukul. this was really really um valuable even like for me because i was really curious to learn about um, this world of ar and vr so really appreciate you sharing all the insights from the inside and uh, sharing all the wisdom tips and uh, tricks and advice uh, with the audience as well really appreciate it thank you likewise thanks a lot for the invitation carol i i had a very very knowledgeable discussion as well in the, in the sense like when people ask me certain kinds of questions it helps me kind of put my thoughts in some order to to be able to answer that and i always learn when talking to somebody who's not familiar with this yeah i know how it feels some things may be maybe obvious to you but like when is when a question is asked that it kind of makes you really ponder actually yeah and kind of collect your thoughts that definitely uh has some value as well awesome i'm glad <laughs> to hear that yeah. um and uh wish you a wonderful day Thanks a lot.